Our sermon text today is Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 7 through 14. Today and through the next several weeks, uh, we're going to explore some Old Testament texts, some Old Testament prophetic texts, uh, to see what they have to say to our world today. And what they have to say about Jesus being the fulfillment of those prophecies. Um, the, the interplay between the past and the present and the future is crucial for all of these texts. And in particular for Jeremiah 31, uh, 7 through 14. And so that's what we'll be, we'll be thinking about here. Jeremiah 7, uh, 31, verses 7 through 14. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard. And say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers, and women in labor. A great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Proclaim distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will ransom Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then maidens will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy with abundance and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks. For you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we reflect on these words of prophecy from so many years ago, help us to find their fulfillment in you. And help us to allow you to turn our sorrow into joy as well. We thank you for this time. And we pray that you would bless this time of reflection in Jesus' name. Amen. To begin the present, what was Jeremiah's present situation like? 
this Old Testament prophet Jeremiah uh, prophesied to the people of Judah during the period of the Babylonian exile. This is about uh, 580-something B.C., 600 years or so before Jesus uh, and his ministry, about 2,600 years ago from today. Jeremiah was there in Jerusalem during the siege of Jerusalem when the, the, the nation of Babylon came and laid siege to the city. He was there when the army of Babylon broke through the city walls when they burned the temple to the ground and carried the people off into exile. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because he saw all of this devastation with his own eyes. And Jeremiah was there to speak a word from the Lord to the people. A word of hope and encouragement in the midst of the worst possible thing that the people could imagine experiencing. Jeremiah's word was that the Babylonian captivity would not last forever. That God would bring the people back home. The people would be set free. Their sadness would be transformed into joy. God would make them like a well-watered aquaponics garden. Can I use that? Well-watered, right? There's no soil in it, we learned today. A well-watered garden that is fruitful and productive and pleasing to the gardener. What a hope for the people of Judah as they lived in exile in Babylon. Now, how did Jeremiah have this confidence? How did Jeremiah know that God would do this for the people of Judah? For that, we have to think about the past a little bit. Remember, it's about past, present, and future. For the past, Jeremiah knows that God has been faithful to his people already. In a similar kind of situation, 150 years Jeremiah, the northern kingdom of Israel had been conquered by Assyria and taken off into captivity there. Now, they had not quite returned. Uh, they didn't ha- did not have a dramatic return back home like the people of Judah would later, but God was present with them in the midst of their, uh, in the midst of their exile. Israel, that northern kingdom, is sometimes called Samaria or Ephraim, named after one of the tribes that populated that, uh, that northern kingdom. And so when Jeremiah, now in this, his present time, says to the people of Judah, Remember that God is Israel's father. Ephraim is the firstborn son of God. He's referring to that northern kingdom of Israel that's long gone, that has already been captured and taken off into captivity. And God has already been present with them in the midst of their hardship. If you dial back a few verses, in this chapter, you see that uh, Jeremiah says, The Lord has appeared to us in the past. And so he's calling on the collective memory of the people of God to remember that God has been present in the past. And so God is still present today. When we sing the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, or other kinds of hymns that remind us of God's faithfulness in the past, that's what we're doing too. We're remembering that God has been faithful in the past, and so we know that he will be faithful to us today. But what does this have to do with Jeremiah's future? Jeremiah foresees something better happening in the future. Something 
happening for the people of Judah that will be good for them. The return from exile. Their return from, uh, from Babylon, their homeland. Jeremiah writes that God will gather all of the people of Judah from all of the nations to which they have been scattered. It will be a grand homecoming full of celebration and rejoicing and song. And this homecoming will include everyone, not just the able-bodied, not just those that can make the trip, but those for whom the trip will be difficult. Even the blind and the lame, even pregnant women, even women in labor, they will be able to make this trip. It is a mind-boggling homecoming that Jeremiah foresees. All of the people's sorrow at losing everything and being taken into another land will be transformed into joy. And they will be satisfied with abundance. There's that key word, abundance. It keeps cropping up. That's not an intended pun, uh, but it works. Crops can be abundant too, right? I didn't mean that. Uh, Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. And this idea of abundance of life is really crucial to what God has been saying all along. He says it here through Jeremiah that there will be abundance. There will be satisfaction. The people will live in the bounty of the Lord. This is the best possible future that Jeremiah could foresee for the people of Israel. What Jeremiah could not foresee clearly, what he did not have words to put down exactly, was the name Jesus. Was the identity of the Messiah who would be the fulfillment of all of these hopes. He could not have seen from six centuries earlier exactly how Jesus would fulfill the people's deepest hopes and desires exactly what happened. 600 years after Jeremiah, Jesus entered the scene and proclaimed the kingdom of God, the reign of God, as a present reality in the lives of God's people. And Jesus gathered people from all walks of life, including the blind and the lame. Jesus brought them home, not in a physical sense, not in a political sense, but in a spiritual sense. He brought them home from their exile, wandering away from God. Jesus redeemed and ransomed people. Jesus forgave sins. Jesus transformed sadness and grief and mourning into gladness and joy. Time and time again, through the stories of Jesus, we find examples where Jesus transforms sadness into joy. There's not enough food. What are we going to do? Loaves and fishes. Now there's abundance. My only son has died. A widow uh, had her only son die, and the funeral procession was happening, and Jesus came up and touched the coffin, which you should not do. It makes you ritually unclean in Old Testament, New Testament times. And the boy came back to life. The young man came to life and was restored to his mother. Abundance of life where there had been sadness and grief and mourning. Jesus is all about this abundance and bringing it tangibly into the lives of his people. Just as Jeremiah looked to the past and found God to be faithful in the past, and knew that God would be faithful in the present, and looked forward to the future that would be fulfilled by this Messiah, 
so too we can rely on God's comfort applying to us in our past and in our present and in our future. Of course, by reading all of the stories of scripture, we have Jeremiah and Jesus and all of the others, and we have countless stories of God's faithfulness through the hundreds of years since those days. We have our own testimonies. We have testimonies of family members and people that we admire of how God has been faithful in the past, how God has watched over his people like a shepherd. And all of these stories from the past can help us see our present situation with a different perspective, with God's perspective, perhaps. Because on our own, if we only have our perspective on our lives, we often have trouble seeing beyond our mourning, our grief, our sadness, our frustration, our anger, our fear, our hostility, whatever issues might be full in our vision, we have trouble seeing around them. So we need these stories past to remind us that God is with us in the present. So remember two things. Number one, that God has been faithful in the past. And number two, that God is not surprised or limited or anxious or unaware or incapable of dealing with anything that we might experience today. Whatever situation you are facing, realize that God sees you perfectly and completely and compassionately. And trust that God will provide comfort and joy in the presence of Christ. Trust that God will lead you into a future that might totally surprise you. Jeremiah thought he knew what the best thing possible happening was, the return of the people from exile. He could not conceive of what Jesus would look like or do. God will still surprise us as he leads us into his preferred future. At the beginning of this new year, I have an activity that might be helpful for you. In your bulletin, there is a blue quarter sheet of paper that looks a lot like this. And this is a way for us to reflect on the past, the present, and the future. And I'd like for you to take this home with you and work on it. There's space for you to write down three ways that God has been faithful in the past. Now, you can write ways that God has been faithful to you in the past, or to someone that you know, or someone that you read about in scripture, or in history, or something. It can be whatever strikes your fancy, whatever's meaningful to you. Write down three ways that God has been faithful in the past. And the more specific you can be, the better. Because it will remind you clearly that God has been around, and God has been in the past. And then, in the middle of the page... You can take some time to write down how you need God's presence now in the present tense. How do you need God to show up in your life right now, whatever situation it is that you're facing? And again, the more specific you can be, the better. What could God do to show you that he is present in your life right now? And what difference would that make in how you feel, in how you think, in how you live in how you sleep, in how you relate to others. What, what do you need from God's presence right now? And then in the, in the, for the future, the bottom of the sheet, how do you hope for God to move in this upcoming year? 
We're standing at the beginning of 2020. The whole year stretches out in front of us, and it's a time for all those New Year's resolutions that we forget about by February, and all those commitments that we hope we can make, but uh, sometimes we do. Maybe we don't, but that's okay. When we look forward to this coming year, what do we hope God will do in this coming year? How do we hope that God will move in this coming year? And it could be in your life, or in the life of a loved one, or in the life of this church, or the life of this community, or the life of this country, or this world. How do you hope for God to move? And again, the more specific you can be, the better. As long as we ask for things in the name of God, in other words, in the, the, um, the, the presence of God and in the mentality of God and in the desires of God within the will of God, uh, Jesus promises that those prayers will be met. How do we hope for God to move in the coming year? So take some time to jot down those three sets of three things and then share it with someone. Sit down with someone over lunch or coffee or a meal or uh, instead of watching the TV show, share the list that you've made with each other and communicate with each other about what you see in the past and in the present and in the future. And then, this is a lot to manage, right? Hold on to this for a year. Hold on to this until the end of 2020 so that you can come back to this at the end of 2020. And when I stand here at the beginning of 2021 and say, do you have this sheet? You can all pull them out and say, yes, I do. And look, this is how God has moved in the past year. Maybe it will be in the ways that you hope for God to move. Maybe it will be in a completely surprising way that you don't expect. But it, will, it could be a way for us to keep track of God's movement in our midst. Because God is not done with us yet. God is not done with this world yet. There is something coming in this next year that might just be astounding to us. Who knows? Let's rest and God's faithfulness in it. Let's call on God to act in this present time and let's hope with great expectation for what will come in the future. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, we give you thanks that you are making us into a well-watered garden, that you are the source of life, that the, the nutrients we need are carried by the water of your spirit, and that we can find all we need for this life in your word and in your presence. Help us as we embark on this new year to reflect well on the past, to call out for your presence in this present time, and to hope carefully and thoughtfully and meaningfully for you to move in our future. Bless us in this time of renewal in this new year and help us to grow closer to each other and to you as this year unfolds. We thank you for Jesus in whom we have life and life more abundantly, even when life sometimes makes us feel less than abundant. Help us to find our abundance always in you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all of these things. Amen.